and any wound really if you don't tend to it you're gonna find ways to shove it down and that's usually when your shadow side comes out whether it's compulsive eating or drinking excessively or having uh, sexual relationships with people like addictions and things like that to bury it and bury it and bury it and bury it this is the medicine podcast i am mimi mushroom queen ahcc educator and culinary nutrition expert i am quite obsessed with providing the unique knowledge for those that want to prevent disease in their body in their mind and in their relationships if that's you then you are in the exact right place my love let's go take the medicine hello hello my beautiful special people Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whatever time of day you are choosing to expand your being, your awareness, and your life by listening to the Medicine Podcast, I want to thank you for joining us today. We have an incredible episode for you today. Today, you're going to hear our magical, emotional, and transformative conversation with the wise, light, and beautiful Nia Carrillo. She is a nutritionist, author, yoga instructor, Reiki master, breathwork practitioner, and NLP master practitioner. And she's used those tools and more to help heal her own generational family trauma, which is what much of the episode focuses on. Uh, her, Her personal story is just wild and if she can help heal this in her own life it's just proof that anyone can do it you'll hear all about that but this whole conversation is really going to resonate with you if you've had a history of disordered eating or orthorexic tendencies been there you've had a frequent body image dysmorphia or a negative body self-talk been there You have a strained or complicated relationship with a parent. Been there. Or you know there's an inner child inside of you that needs to be healed, but you don't even know where to start. Also been there. (laughs) As you can see, this all lands pretty hard hitting with me uh, personally. I wanted to bring Nia on to talk about healing generational family wounds because being totally transparent, I am currently facing a pretty rough situation with my own dad. And as of May of 2020, my dad cut me off from his life, blocked me and all my siblings' phones. We've had no contact and has pretty much just divorced us all. Um, And I'm not really one to share familial issues on social media or anything, but I know that using my situation as a template of sorts for healing being initiated with Nia today would prompt so many people with strained parental relationships um, and to start the same process of healing that I have. 
So you'll hear some pretty deep details of my personal life as well as all of my thoughts and feelings and emotions about it. So definitely a few tears and hard spots because the wound is very raw for me right now. Um, it's basically a therapy session with Nia that you get to learn from and take into your own life if it's resonating with you. Y'all are going to absolutely love Nia. She is such a beautiful, light, wise queen. <laughs> we are definitely going to have her back soon because there's so much, so, so many other things to talk about with her. We are literally just scratching the surface today. And um, when you're done listening, please share with someone you love. Push that little arrow button. That's how we get this good, good information out, this healing information. And if something resonated with you today, please let me know. You can always send me a message on Instagram. That's where I hang out most and interact with my listeners. Um, my new handle is at Mimi underscore the medicine. Mimi underscore the medicine. And remember, no E on the end of medicine. Um, so you can always catch me there. Get Mimi Fit is now gone. It is Mimi underscore the medicine. So enjoy this conversation with our good friend Nia. It is truly, truly epic. All right. Cheers, boo. Nia, welcome to the medicine. We are so happy to have you and welcome to Coronado. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. <laughs> We've already had like a whole podcast worth of talking um, off air and I was like, <laughs> we got to push record because it's, it's such good, I'll use the word juicy stuff. And I think that this topic, I know that this topic is going to resonate with so many people and initiate a lot of healing. And um, I'm so, I'm so grateful that, that you have done some sort of like traversing this Grand Canyon in your own life that now you can support others and help guide them through their own struggles. So um, Chase is here as well. Just what everyone. Up everybody? <laughs> Pretty excited today uh, to listen in and learn. Um, it's almost like, you know, our parents can potentially impact our lives at a young age and our adult lives. So, yeah, uh, learning that, <laughs> learning that. So I'm fascinated to dig in and, uh, let's see what we can unearth. Yeah. Just for all the listeners listening, um, we've already talked with Nia about, um, using my situation with my current family and dad scenario situation, we'll call it that as a sort of test case for you all so you can listen kind of to on the spot I don't want to say coaching because it's so much more than that yeah. but guidance through mm -hmm. navigating this very sometimes dark waters um, so we're going to get to that later in the episode but first the very first question that we ask every single guest before we jump into all things generational trauma healing <laughs> <laughs> we want to know what Nia by the way I love your name thank you so pretty um, what Nia do you love in your life? What aspect of your life do you love so much that you wish you could gift to every human? I love that. I literally wake up and I feel like I'm in a dream because I've done all of this healing. Um, in so many ways, I feel like I make my little self, whether she's three, four or 13, so proud. And I never ever thought I could get here and I always tell people if I can do it mm. you can do it and mm. with anything that I've accomplished so I just wish people 
knew the gift that healing could bring. Mm, I love that. It's hard at first. Yeah. But it's, I think it's a whole reason why we're here. Right. Mm. Yeah. Oh, I Living love the that. dream. Yeah, <laughs> it is great. It is great. I, I, I can, um, I can identify that with that as well. Just like living here with, with a beautiful human that I get to like be on this tropical Island <laughs> with, and it's not all external things, but like, feeling love from another human that's as good and as pure as what chase gives me mm-hmm. and that in itself is a dream yeah having healed so much of our own um yeah scars with our our divorce and our marriage and everything i i definitely uh, identify with that as well like the two people that got married back in 2013 13. <laughs> uh i think they would be very proud of where mm-hmm. we're at now so that, yeah. that's awesome i love that i love that perspective looking at your four 14 24 mm-hmm. year old self whatever it is like yeah she's proud of me especially in those like darkest moments when you're like how the hell am i gonna get through this mm. especially when you're like 21 and you're a hot mess <laughs> <laughs> and always and you're broke and you're like it'll never get better and then it somehow does i was just asking this to my in-laws i'm like what would you tell your younger self and they're like well what would you tell your younger self and i said to not freak out and <laughs> they're like that's exactly what i would tell my younger mm. self mm. like every stage that you freak out like it's just gonna be fine yeah yeah i know like uh, probably my higher self at 54 years old that's some like woke levitating <laughs> sage <laughs> woman <laughs> some medicine woman is looking down on me now as if me mm. looking down on my 13 year old self that's like worried or anxious about who she's going to sit next to at the basketball game or something mm-hmm. like that. You know, it's like, seems that like, Oh honey, it'll be fine. <laughs> yeah. You'll be okay. Yeah. Like, don't worry. Like, I'm sure that that perspective is the same. Mm-hmm. So I love that. That's so good. Well, I would love to know, I don't know much about you, <laughs> which I love because yeah. that today is going to be a complete, like almost surprise, like unwrapping a gift. Um, can you tell us a little bit about um, what you do in the world today? And mm-hmm. maybe a little bit of like, why why like what brought you to like Mm -hmm. needing to do it yeah I never thought I would be on a podcast talking about familiar or generational trauma because I have so much of it um so the fact that I'm here today is like a huge like oh my gosh 13 year old is so proud of me um so I am a nutritionist and I started this journey I guess if you could say when I was very young Um, When I was 13, I was over 200 pounds. And as a hindsight, it's 2020, but it was all because I had an unhealthy relationship with food and it was a way in which I protected myself. Um, So kind of from the ages of 13 to 23, I yo-yo dieted. Like it went from one extreme of like binging and then like, oh, I'm starting over on Monday sort of thing, which Mm. I think everyone has gone through. And all these diets, uh, I've probably done every single one that you could think of. And it got to the point where then I became obsessed with clean eating and not eating carbs Mm. and exercising without any food in my stomach. (laughs) (laughs) Our audience is like, wow, you guys are all like twinsies here. You're talking to myself, the most compulsive exercise and eater on the face of the planet. um, Not anymore. We've (laughs) We've navigated through most of those orthorexic tendencies, but our audience is no stranger and probably can, can sympathize with that. 
And I think though that like our society like almost prides us on like it's better to be too healthy than too unhealthy. Mm. And it's like they're two opposite sides of the spectrum. So they're not in balance with each mm-hmm. other. Yeah. Like you should care, but you shouldn't care that much. And I think that's where people get kind of confused. Um, originally I went to school for, I grew up in Las Vegas. And so I got my degree in event planning and then I came here on a whim and I hated it. Uh, <laughs> you hated San Diego? No, I hated event planning. Oh, <laughs> uh, no, no, no. I was like, I've never heard anyone no. say that. No, I've been here seven years. <laughs> um, and I got to this point where I was like so depressed and anxious and I was only 24 at the time. And I remember I was drinking a lot, like a lot of alcohol and it was really normal because growing up in Las Vegas, that's just part of the mm. culture is like you go to clubs as much as you want, especially as a woman, cause you can get in free. So that lifestyle essentially continued on. And I remember when I was engaged, my husband's like, maybe you should go to therapy. It's <laughs> <laughs> like a beautiful thing to say. And it honestly, it felt like a permission slip mm. to heal because mm. I didn't want to, I was that woman that was like, oh, I don't need anybody. And I prided myself on Mm -hmm. it. But that all came from, because backpedal to when I was born, I was given up at birth. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know who my biological mother was until I was 20. Mm. And I was raised by my father's parents and my aunt. And uh, it turns out that my biological mom was always in my life. She was my best friend's mom. Mm. So my best friend was actually my half sister. Oh, wow. wow. <laughs> it was a oh really, what a trip it was. And I don't think my family, now I can say this like three, four years ago, I would have been really angry about it, but I just, they never intended to hurt me. They just always did what was best. And I was so involved with her life they didn't know like when the perfect opportunity mm. new slash there's no perfect opportunity yeah. <laughs> so that like kind of like became and then when I was two my father went to prison so I have tons of like mm. that abandonment feeling yeah. that we are kind of we'll dive into later but so it all kind of added up and like this symptom of me feeling like this work-related depression and anxiety was like just kind of one symptom of a deeper root of healing my relationship to food, my body Mm. and all of that stemming from my parents in that situation. Mm -hmm. So I quit my job and I had no plan and I thought like, Oh, I have like a great degree and all this experience. I'll get a job really immediately. And Nope, (laughs) that did not happen. (laughs) And I went into debt (laughs) and I was like, you know what? Like, I'm just going to go back to school. And I got my master's in nutrition. Like, this is now the time to, like, do whatever I want. Because at the time, I was 24, 25. And I thought, like, again, I can go and get a job and it'll be easy. That didn't happen. So Mm -hmm. I started a business. And I was very surface level in the beginning. And I realized, like, that was doing my clients a disservice because for me to get to that spot where I had, like, this completely healed relationship with food and my body and I felt lighter, it came from so many other things than just, like, a perfect diet and Mm. the perfect exercise routine. Mm -hmm. So I dove into that first before I went and did that for other people. I'm like, what exactly was it that kind of helped shift it? And that's when I came across the practice of family constellations, which is Mm. what we'll talk a lot about today. Um, But 
I did breath work and Reiki and mm. I got certified in all of these things to help clients. So now like it's like nutrition that I do, but yeah. more things are part of it. So it's like whole body healing. Yeah. I love that. I love you are just like a living like science experiment. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, like, I was going to say like billboard of like, it's not ever just about food. Mm-mm. It's never just the no. food. Yeah. <laughs> and like anyone that says like, oh no, it's fine. Like I'm fine. I just need to get there. It's like, oh honey, you'll mm-hmm. figure it out. It'll, yeah. it'll come. It'll, <laughs> you'll figure it out. Um, but I, I, I love that you wrap it all up together. Can you, um, can you give us a little bit of, uh, what, where you're at now and like what, how do you, how do you incorporate these things when you're helping clients? Like, do you, do they come to you for nutrition? Do they come to you for this? Like, what do people come to you for? And then how do you like break the news to them that like, Oh, (laughs) (laughs) do you know what I'm asking? Yes, I do. Um, so I think like nutrition is like a really easy gateway for people to begin that journey, but I am very transparent about what I do because I used to like, oh, like, come with me, we're going to do nutrition. And then I, like, flip the switch. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And that felt really unethical to me because yeah. I think people just wanted, like, the perfect diet and meal plan because I realized in the sessions where clients really were diving deep in, like, we were not talking about food. We were talking about their relationship to their mom mm. and a whole host of other things. So now I still kind of lead with nutrition, but I'm very transparent. Like we are not talking about like how many calories you ate. In fact, I don't even track any of that with Mm -hmm. my clients and they still see those results in their body. Mm -hmm. And we don't even focus on weight loss so much. It's more of like, if you could think of a picture when you like, when you were younger and you thought you were quote unquote fat and then you're like, why did I think I was so fat then? And then you're heavier now, say. And this is a lot of clients that deal with this. And they're like, and that, that right there is p- proof that it's not about like how your body looks. It's about yeah. what's going oh, on absolutely. with it. Totally. I, I literally just looked at a picture from us this summer. And I'm like, damn, I was shredded this summer. <laughs> <laughs> but I didn't, I remember not feeling it at the time. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, man, I got to get my ass in shape, mm-hmm. you know? And, and then I'm laughing because like, I'm 30 years old and have done this for the last 20 yeah. where I'm looking back on pictures going, man, I, I when you're 60, you're going to be like, why did I care? <laughs> no. yeah, seriously. No. 70. And you're like, my skin doesn't bounce back yeah. the same way. Yeah. That's such a good oh, man. I love that. And no one, I've thought this so many times, like in my own head, like what was I thinking? I actually mm-hmm. thought that I wasn't lean there mm-hmm. and it was like the leanest point of my existence. Mm-hmm. And it it just is so much proof. Like, it's never good enough. It's never. So why play that game? Yeah. Shit. (laughs) 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 Because I'm like, this is one of those things where you could just start opening up and talking to 800 people around a table Mm -hmm. and everyone would be like, yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah, 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 same. And in my head, I'm like, is this just me where I feel like, you know, I'm constantly like looking back at pictures. I've done it from this summer. Like, can see my more of my abs or whatever and but at the time i'm looking back to two years ago huge that's all that phenomena it's proof that like the weight you need to lose isn't on your body it's within your mind and the heaviness you're feeling is like an energetic concept Mm. and not has nothing to do with how your body looks like sometimes your body can be a reflection of that and they be in alignment like I felt physically heavy and then I also felt energetically heavy but 
think of the course of this year, like taking yeah. your guys' examples, like it's been pretty heavy for a lot of people and like that stress and that weight of it, you probably really did feel those things, but you're, like, you're it's so easy to attack our body first because it's like what we're in. It's the casing mm. of it. That's it's so weird. It's yeah. so weird that like, this is me. This is my home. I make decisions for my body every single day, the best that I can. I'm, I can honestly say that, but we are still, I am still critical of, of it, my home, my, mm-hmm. this one vehicle in this life that I get to experience all the wonderful things why why do you think (laughs) like was everyone always like looking back to like 1300s you know and the women are like curvy and voluptuous or are are they hating their bodies too like did this just like begin with man or like ask this question like when researched this over the summer (sighs) and i was like when did where did body image and body dysmorphia yeah and where hating your body reflection when someone saw it in in the water (laughs) what is that so weird (laughs) oh i'm glad you researched this please enlighten us it and i put this on my social media and i had to take off the comments because i got a lot of hate for it and i've never experienced that it's rooted in racism oh shit Mm. It, and there's this whole, I guess her name is Sabrina Strings. She wrote a whole entire book on it. Um, if you search her name, she will come up and she's been on a ton of podcast episodes. Basically, like, there used to be what's called racial scientists. And it was scientists that would literally, their job was to prove why white people were superior than black people or people of color. And they because of think of the food that black people culturally had to eat like it was a lot heavier it wasn't as healthy and it's still like present in their culture so like their body wasn't necessarily like trim and fit mm-hmm. and i can't i put it on it's in my instagram if you search because i put like diet culture is rooted in racism mm. and i have all the facts in there but it was basically saying like there was a quote from it that from these racial scientists that they equated being large to being black. So then to be the opposite and to prove these racial scientists correct and to be superior, then you needed to be lean because you didn't want to be anything associated oh with black God. people. Wow. So this whole phenomenon of like not appreciating and of course like trends through that because you see like in the 60s, it was really th- like in to be thin. And then like you saw, like if you can remember when we were growing up, like, you guys are on millennial age. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, 30-ish. Yeah. <laughs> that like, it was like so hip to be like almost like anorexic skinny. And then now like we embrace curves and yeah. big lips and Everyone's big butts. To, yeah. Grow and, their right. booty. And, yeah. But yeah. when I was 12, like no one wanted a butt. This <laughs> <Right>. is <laughs> so yeah. weird now. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, there's these trends yeah. and like, a lot of like I've seen like a lot of black influencers like this is like culture appropriation like you get to pick the parts that you Mm. want and like but (sighs) I think that answers your question it's from what I found it I'm just repeating the information just in case like you get some type of hate but there's a lot of people that did not like when I posted that and I'm like I'm just the messenger wow (laughs) because yeah you don't I, I I mean I haven't done the research like you have but I can't imagine this has just always been here. Like we, ha- we as humans have just been programmed to hate our bodies. Mm-mm. 
you know, I've, I've thought about this so many times. Why? Why is it so hard to get rid of to the point where you have to go to an energy healer or a therapist to just love yourself? <laughs> like, what the actual fuck? Yeah, I think there's so much to the fact that uh, there's programming around you're not enough from day one. Mm-hmm. Uh, in this, especially in, in the world that we live in, like, you're literally put into clothes and you're covered up immediately. Um, gosh, for, for women in so many ways, like you can't cover up. (laughs) Well, (laughs) it's a double whammy though. If you do, you're prude. If you don't, you're exactly, (laughs) exactly. And, um, but make sure you're wearing makeup all the time. That's the thing. (laughs) Even makeup, right? Even makeup, which is this thing that like, (laughs) it it can be, it can almost be like a coming of age type thing when you're allowed to wear makeup and, and bras and things of that nature. And, and, regardless of of i mean regardless of what you think like that is some level of a subconscious like conversation that you're having where it's like wow without this i'm i'm actually not enough mm-hmm. or without this i'm not a woman mm-hmm. if i don't wear a bra at mm-hmm. 13 if i'm not wearing a bra and all my friends are am i really like am i a woman mm-hmm. yet or like what <clears throat> what constitutes what makes up true like femininity womanhood and i think that we are as a culture (laughs) have been just so far removed from what actual like healthy feminine energy is Mm -hmm. not even not even i don't know what it is really (laughs) (laughs) i have an interpretation of it but i think it's different for everybody Mm. you want to get into this yes okay yeah i'm like this is a good segue i love it so femininity and masculinity ultimately like they're reflected in mom and dad and then we go up a next layer and that all connects to the divine god source universe yeah so when we kind of have that extension of it and that masculine and feminine we learn it from mom and dad and when mom and dad have years of trauma in tow because Think of like when your parents were growing up, like we weren't having conversations like this, like social media didn't exist, like getting information circulated was like a lot slower process, Mm -hmm. A, and B, like there was so much stigma around healing and that I think people were so in their shit that they didn't realize like, it's like, it was, it's always been this way, so it's okay. Yeah. So when you have those examples and they come down, unless your parents have done the work, they, they still can't even be perfect because they're just representations of the perfect ultimate being God source, whatever you refer to it as. So in some way, like we are kind of like here to like have that skewedness so we mm. can redefine it because mm. it's almost like a coming of home of like you, like mom and dad are just like, little chess pieces if you will but like it comes back to that connection to Mm. the universe i love that like it's almost like ours to like our story to figure out and Mm -hmm. to tell and like no one likes a story that is just flatline right like boring that's what like there's a great book called journey of souls and he does like all this like uh work where he goes deep in the what is it called hypnosis Mm -hmm. and they say like this the angels say like no like it's so cool to be human because like you get whatever you want up there and there's no like up Mm. and downness like and we like fail to appreciate like the highs and the lows of being a human the polarity Mm -hmm. like nothing can be good without the existence of that which is represented as negative or bad or the void darkness whatever it is i love that i've never thought about that as like 
God, source, Sophia, whatever you want to call it, <laughs> <Sophia>. is, <laughs> is the is the ultimate perfection. And every layer down is just like a copy of a copy of a copy of a copy of a copy. And it's like, we got to get... We're too human. At this point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, gets, it gets too like, oh, this doesn't even matter. Yeah. I do like that though, because it does give some lightness mm-hmm. to it, right? To something that can feel... And you've experienced this just as much as anyone, I'm sure. But like the the heaviness and the degradation mm-hmm. and the just like the, the trauma, obviously, that mm-hmm. can come with it. It can feel so like hard to even, where do I even start? Mm-hmm. And to apply that kind of lightness to it, like almost like, no, this is what you're here for. Mm-hmm. To give it almost like a little bit of purpose. Like oh, this is actually, <laughs> this is good, yeah. right? Like this is maybe this is part of why you're even standing on the earth. Oh, yes. Like yes. we all come like with some type of like contractual agreement with one another. So like maybe in some way, like your divorce and then coming back together was an agreement you guys made. And it w- all the lessons that happened in between it is what brought you together, but more stronger than ever. So we have, and even we have these contractual agreements with our parents, like we're all playing like these different roles and like karmic relationships Mm. and in the practice of family constellation, the idea of forgiveness is not one that we play because like the example is like, how could you forgive a parent that assaulted you or uh, abused you, but more of like giving consent Mm. that like you know what, like that happened to me, but now I'm an adult and it's up to me how I do that. I can blame my parents, but then that puts me in the victim mode and then I become powerless in every aspect of my life because I don't take ownership of it. Mm. (laughs) That's good. So uh, can you explain just for anyone who maybe hasn't heard that term before, but family constellations, um, can you just dive into like what exactly that means? Yeah. So it's actually a practice created by Mark Wolin. Um, He has a book called It Didn't Start With You. If like you're like, this kind of interests me and it's just uh, a nice entry level way to get into it. Um, So family constellations you can kind of think of it as like you're all connected like a constellation like a star like when I heal myself and this is a huge thing in family constellations like you heal your family because Mm. it's like if you could imagine like a line connected from one dot and that dots your mom and then that dots connected to your sister and then your dad and it all when you shift it in yourself like you shift that energy so what trauma that your family has like gone through if it doesn't get healed it will naturally fall on you which is why you see a lot of millennials like I'm gonna heal my trauma we talk about it just like as we're sipping coffee (laughs) intergenerational (laughs) trauma but it's because we have a world now that like allows us to do that it's not that like everybody before us was all effed up and I mean yes but like now we have the resources to deal with it that's just nothing new yeah um so in some way, like it's not there to curse you. And I think I hate people say, like, oh, a family curse. And it's like, no, it's only landing at that next generation because it's trying to be seen and healed mm-hmm. and come out. Wow. Almost like pain in the body. Yeah. Like communicating with you. Like if my foot hurts, my body is trying to communicate something to yeah. me. And if I don't heal that or l- allow it to heal, it's just, just going to either get louder or manifest uh-huh. somewhere else. Yep. And it does that like, I see this time and time again, where like 
clients will come to me with like, I can think of one in particular. She had, um, she just beat cervical cancer. And she, I was like, okay, I got to know what's going on on mom's side. Oh, well, mom had an abusive relationship at one point. Uh, she also had like a lot of like, I think like a hysterectomy or something to do with the womb. And then her grandma, uh, was molested and raped, I think, and also had cervical cancer. And then it just like kept going up and up and up and up. And I'm like, it's landing at you because it wants to heal. So you Mm. can take it and heal your entire, everything behind you and everything to come, or you can play victim. Mm. Yeah, and, and there's. I read the book. Um, oh, you it, did? it didn't start with <laughs> you. Yeah, <laughs> fa- you know, fascinating. And there's a lot of really great kind of like genetic and epigenetic science that goes mm-hmm. into it as well. That that layers in for those who kind of need it from a kind of like scientific and data standpoint. Yeah. As far as like how these things transfer generation after generation after generation and manifest in some, um, you know, physical. Uh, existence in in one particular life even if you didn't go through the trauma directly yeah there's a uh and like recent like the one of the main studies of this that kind of relates to all this is called the ace study have you heard of that Mm -hmm. adverse childhood experience i think it stands for and basically they found that even if you have a score of one you are at risk for health issues Mm. uh, in your body and it's basically like something as common as divorce is considered trauma. Like we all have it in some way. I think that we just equate it to like war vets and people who've been assaulted or attacked. And that is trauma. But like if you felt abandoned and Mm. how you perceive that relationship to your parents, that's trauma. Yeah. Yeah. Or even like what we were talking about earlier with uh, eating or exercise kind of (laughs) disorders. Like if, if that is, that's trauma. That's trauma <laughs> if it's existed in your family, mm-hmm. um, especially if it's close to uh, the birthing of a child. Mm-hmm. And like that can really uh, trickle into a next generation. Yep. Yeah. Can you can you talk about maybe you've already given some, but how you see like family history or generational healing or lack thereof, mm-hmm. how you see it in your clients manifest maybe in ways that they're not even aware of. Like, yeah. And along the way, as you're telling, like, you know, what would what would con- constitute as something that could be generational trauma? You mentioned divorce. Yeah. But what are some of the other things that that you see as symptoms of this unhealing? Hey, Boo Thing. HPV, that is human papillomavirus, can be a really scary thing. If you or someone you love has been diagnosed with HPV, The next two minutes are for you, my girl, or guy. Over 14 million Americans are diagnosed every year with some strain of HPV, yet it's still weirdly hush-hush in our society. Even though three out of four sexually active adults will likely come into contact with HPV, there is still a negative stigma associated with it. Countless women have told me that they feel dirty, ashamed, and scared to tell anyone, even their partner, One woman I spoke to was a virgin until she was married, and she still contracted HPV from her spouse. Her story is proof that HPV does not equal gross or shameful. We must let go of this negative, dirty stigma. It's dangerous. It's keeping men and women quiet, not asking questions or searching for safe alternatives to treatment. 
That's where I came in. I was inspired by the hundreds of women I spoke to who were feeling alone and desperate for help, saying things like, my doctor didn't explain anything to me. I needed to provide a safe place for these women to ask questions, get educated, and find safe alternatives to the cutting, poking, scraping, and other invasive procedures that are common practice with HPV treatment. I needed to provide the space for you to stand back, take a look at your lifestyle, and learn how to stack the deck in your favor for clearing HPV, to have confidence in your body's own innate ability to heal, and to reconnect with your body, which is working so hard for you right now. The safe place I created is my digital course called Clear. This course includes video, audio, and downloadable PDFs. We dive deep into the research-backed, safe, effective supplementation, nutritional guidance, mindset practice, and stress management needed for clearing HPV. It's perfect for the woman wanting to finally be rid of the anxiety that comes with HPV, abnormal pap smears, and cervical dysplasia. It provides a holistic approach because you are not just a cervix or cluster of abnormal cells. You are a whole person. To learn more about Clear and even check out some of the curriculum, go to getmimifit.com clear, or just check out the show notes for the direct link to the course. And you can use the code medicine for 10% off at checkout. That's M-E-D-I-C-I-N, no E, for 10% off. Remember, don't give up. You can heal. All right, back to the pod. Pretty much anything, but (laughs) the most common ones I see for women specifically is when there's an unhealthy relationship to food. It goes in family constellation. It says that like the mother is there to show us that representation of femininity. So nourishment. Mm. So when we block it off, say we have an eating disorder where like I'm going to just now focus on how I look rather than feeling nourished. There's probably something there with mom. And it's funny because I'll get people that I get on consultation and then they like tell me their story. I'm like, what's your relationship to your mom? That's the first thing I ask. Mm. How do you know? (laughs) (laughs) And it's like, that's why. Um, So any type of like eating disordered or disordered eating, it doesn't have to be like orthorexia or anorexia, but just like where you maybe track a little too much in my fitness pal, or you're a little anxious about going to social events and, um, counting how many carbs are in certain things. Macro counting, I think, can lead to that. Um, You're saying all these things, and probably people <laughs> listening are like, what? That's, I, I do that every day, and I don't feel like I have disordered eating or anything like that. Um, I, I'm, I'm sitting here wondering what is actually, even then, what is a healthy a healthy Using your re- body to tell you what to do, intuitive mm-hmm. eating. Yeah. Your body is so smart. It has its own hormones to tell you when to stop eating and when you are hungry. But when we are constantly fed that like we have to have the perfect diet plan and we see mom on a diet, like these crazy ones that were from the early 90s and the 80s that just kind of like kind of faded out and we like realize like, oh, those are kind of crazy. But keto is totally fine. 
like peeing on a stick and making sure <laughs> that I yeah. am in ketosis is totally and no hate against anybody, but like yeah. that is just such an extreme thing. And it's like, are you going to do that for the rest of your life? Really? Do you want to? Is the question yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right? Well, and it builds a crutch, right? It's like a you have to have these various mechanisms for measuring in order for just to function. Yeah, and. And I'm not saying this like to make fun of anybody. And I say this because I've been in those, all of these situations where it's like, I'm young and I want to go out with friends, but I'm debating if the carbs and the pizza are worth it. And maybe I should just eat dinner and then have like the skinniest cocktail possible. So that way, like I'm skinny and desirable by men. Yeah. And so many women, I think it's just like, it's just so ingrained. And especially now with like things like Instagram, like diet culture is just everywhere. I remember when I was in grad school and that was three, four years ago, the diet industry, I think was like 33 billion. Now it's 77 billion. Wow. More than double. (laughs) And it doesn't even, I I think, even seem or sound like diet culture. It doesn't have to have the word diet in it. It's a lifestyle as well. Right. Lifestyle or just the instant ability to, um, part of this culture is the instant ability to compare Mm -hmm. where you're at, looking at yourself in the mirror and doing your best to work out and look fit or just be fit, feel good, feel healthy, and then... You open your Instagram and immediately what you just did isn't good enough Mm -hmm. because, you know, you don't have this many followers or you, she has like one more ab popping or, you know, whatever (laughs) it is, or like, man, there's always something like that's part of, I think, I think that's like the foot on the accelerator of diet culture. And the hardest part, and I see this a lot because I have a client now who is working with a personal trainer and... She doesn't live here. And the personal trainer is like telling her one thing about, and she's like, you need to really be under 1200 calories. And this woman is 200 pounds and five, seven. Like I would never tell her to eat. And she's very active. I'm like 1200 calories. Like you're starving yourself at that point. But then she has me in her corner. Like, tell her not to give you food advice because that's poor food advice. Yes. And then the trainer is questioning mine. She's like, she's really outdated because she's not making you track things. So you have those health professionals. And I'm saying this with air quotes for those listening that are like misleading people to think that this is how it's done. And then you think you're getting quality information and there's just so much out there. It's no longer like, I don't know. It's there's so much. What do I do? And what is actually Mm -hmm. right for me? Yeah. And then you start, it seems like all of these things take away from like listening to your body, that your body really knows that you really do have the innate wisdom Mm -hmm. inside of you. And it's just a matter of like tapping into that and asking your body, do you want to eat this? Hmm, Okay. Let's not then. Or, you know, like, Mm -hmm. what do you need? Tell me what you need. But that, that communication I feel like is just completely cut off, not only with diet, but with so many other things. That's pervasive across life. You know, what do I think? about the world. Like, what, what do I think about COVID? You know, what do I think about, mm-hmm. um, literally anything? It's that we have this divine, uh, intelligence that is getting ignored mm-hmm. and just building the muscle of how to listen to yourself and Your the wisdom, intuition. intuition and the wisdom, yeah. you know, we, we say this all the time, but, um, you know, the answer to a lot of things is like moderation and balance. The reason nobody, <laughs> but talk, no one knows that nobody talks about it because it, it can't be sold. It's uh-huh. like the least sexy thing. Uh-huh. And so it literally can't sell on a, sh- on a shelf anywhere or online anywhere. 
Um, but maybe it's, it's balance with intuition mm-hmm. is really the kind of the key there is like moderation with intu- intuition and that conversation with yourself um, may actually be the diet you're yeah. looking for. It is. Yeah. <laughs> I will tell you. It is. And you're right. It's not sexy. I think that like we've equated being healthy to some sort of extreme. For sure. Yeah. So that then we get an identity with it and people are like, oh, you know, she's just a health nut. And like people will question me like, you're going to eat a burger? Yeah. <laughs> Do you want some? <laughs> French fries too. It may be vegan and dairy free because I can't eat dairy. But like I still have those like fun foods in my life and I don't call it junk like if it makes me feel bad then no I'm not going to eat it and if I do eat something that I know is not going to make me feel good I'm not going to eat a lot of it Mm -hmm. but you're making those informed decisions Mm -hmm. for yourself and like communicating with your body and like what is my body telling me and yeah I want a greasy burger (laughs) (laughs) no that is something that we can all aspire to for sure I do want to backtrack just a little no you're good no I love it this is how exactly how I wanted it to be today just conversational and just pulling nuggets and gems out of you but I do want to go back to our very first question with you you mentioned that you feel like you're in a dream you feel like I think you used the word light or because you've you know and going back to before we even pushed record like you've done the work and you've healed something that's actually been pretty recent for you it sounds Mm -hmm. like and I'm hoping that you can give anyone who's listening before we dive into like my scenario in life right now um, which the listeners don't even know really about um, before we get there anyone who is dealing with some sort of which sounds like everyone (laughs) even if they've realized it or not some sort of generational trauma that they have realized like, oh shit, I need to deal with this. It's coming up in life. It's coming up more and more. I'm hoping before we get into it that you can give a little bit, like just shed a little bit of light. Like you said, there's light at the end of the tunnel. Mm -hmm. Um, Maybe just give a little bit of your experience, kind of what you did to get to where you feel like you're waking up in a dream every day. I love that question. Um, I think one of the biggest 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 things that I could ever do for myself was that coming to the realization that my family and everybody involved when I couldn't make those decisions did the best they could with what they have Mm. and I have a lot more resources in my pocket and I can say like that's not what I would do but I also have a lot more education and I and live in a time where the world's conducive to me exploring these things and I have more opportunities and privilege than my family had. So like releasing like this ide- uh, idea that they wanted to harm me mm. and taking it so personally, even though it happened, I, don't know, I was going to say it happened to me, it happened for me first and foremost, but like even though it was directly impacting my life, like I have to trust that like it happened for a reason. Yeah. Like I did that. It's like such a weird story. And like, like it's not something you hear or see every single day. Like, and it could be for anything else that is super unique and not quote unquote part of the normal life plan. Then it's probably part of your life plan. Mm. And so to trust that again, giving consent, Mm. um, a lot of the things that like really helped me, like I mentioned that I started out like doing traditional therapy when I was probably around 23, 24. Um, and that helped, but it wasn't like the thing that like put a switch off. 
um, energy healing was really, really huge, which is why I got trained in everything that I, that helped me. So like breath work, uh, Reiki, um, family constellations, like, and just being really curious, like the year that I quit my job, like I just said yes to everything. And I realized like there were some things I liked and some things I didn't like, but like I went to shamans and all these psychics and I kind of built this like little nugget or container for me to just be me and see like what was out there and kind of unlearn the things that I was taught about like spirituality and religion and um, just completely dive headfirst into it. Um, and I think like more practically too, um, was really putting boundaries in my life, like mm. with family, like I think living in a separate state from them was really helpful because it gave me the time and space to process things. Like not every day is an amazing day. Like sometimes like there are days where I feel really sad for my little inner little girl and I allow myself to cry. And I think that's another thing too, is like allowing myself to process all emotion and as much as possible releasing attachment to it. Mm. When you say attachment and judgment. <laughs> yeah. So judging like a- attaching or a- uh, attaching judgment to someone else's actions. Yeah. And, or like you should be happy. Like you have everything you want. Mm. Like there's no reason to be angry. You can't be sad. Like it's not convenient mm. or you're weak. If you cry, like those were kind of the things that I would tell myself as a kid. I remember being like 17 be like, you can only cry once a month. Wow. That's very specific. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I was very, like my mom that raised me, not my biological mom, would call me an ice queen. Like that was my nickname because I was just so type A and like, because I didn't trust my family because I knew there was a secret. So I was Mm. like, just trust yourself. You're the adult in this situation. Wow. Wow. And I knew that from a young age and my mom will joke and she's like, you're exactly the same person you were when you were four. Wow. I Mm. never felt like a kid. So now as part of my healing journey, it's really important that I allow myself to feel like a kid. That is so, that's so good. And also (laughs) so interesting. It's just landing like directly in my being because I, and I literally, this is the first time I've ever thought about this, but I like had this weird, like, like I prided myself on like, I'm not, I'm not a crier. (laughs) <laughs> Me too. And I went through dental hygiene school and was seeing girls crying all all around me. And as a point of pride and a point of confidence, my goal was to get through dental hygiene school without crying. Mm. And I did it. Crying is so detoxifying. Though. It is. <laughs> Literally. But what I'm, what, I'm, what I'm realizing in this moment, I've thought about this many times. Like, why was I not? A, like, why did I feel so weird about crying? When I'm the youngest of four kids and then 10 years goes by and then I have two more little siblings. So there's six of us together, but for a long time I was the youngest and my dad, my mom, like parents in general would peg me as tough. Mm-hmm. And they, I, I'm just realizing, remembering this now, like, Oh, she's so tough. She's, she's um, like, I could like fall down or fall off the boat or like fall off my dad's shoulders. I got stitches one time and like, didn't even cry. And like, I had this narrative in my head growing up that I was tough and I wonder if that's like woven into me as an adult, which now I cry all the time. <laughs> but I let my, I allow myself when I feel it, I just let it out. And Chase knows this and I'm just, I don't judge it. I'm just like, okay, clearly there's something that needs to come out. But I'm realizing talking to you in this moment that like, 
I'm pretty sure that's because my parents told me I was tough for so long. It could also be, too, like, a way in which you gained their attention and validation. Like, mm, yeah. It, for me, it was like, oh, Nia's so smart. So, like, if I got money for a report card, but I attached my worth to money yeah. from that. So, like, it was almost like for you, like, oh, I could get that, like, compliment or that attention from dad or mom by being the tough one. Yeah, absolutely. And I guess kind of maybe this is a perfect transition yeah. into my family history and everything um, as it's coming up. But uh, yeah, being, being the youngest of four for so long and the youngest, you know, I have a blended family and I'll get into the details of it, but I'm the youngest of three, my whole sisters, my uh, blood sisters. I don't know what you call it. Like what's the term? Whole like sister. <laughs> whole, whole life sister. <laughs> so I'm the youngest in that. And then I was the youngest in the, th- the four of us with my stepbrother uh, for a long time. And so I identify with the youngest child a lot, but mm-hmm. I also identify with the middle because I'm technically the middle. And then I also identify with the kind of oldest because I'm the closest to my younger siblings. Mm. So it's a very weird dynamic for me personally within my family to kind of navigate like who am I? (laughs) But, um, so yeah. So, um, I think I shared a little bit of this with you on our first call, but for the listeners who don't know much about my family history, I've talked about my parents being divorced. Um, that happened when I was two and then, um, my dad remarried pretty quickly to a woman. I think I was three at the time. So within a year or so, um, and, so there were three three older siblings ahead of me, um, and then as they were married and everything, they were trying for a long time to have kids for like seven years through the whole like IVF, tra- mm. like very traumatic, very yes. stressful. It was a science experiment. It was not out of love. It was like, we should have a kid, so we're going to have a kid kind mm. of thing. It wasn't like this beautiful like creation of, I mean, they are. I love my <laughs> love my siblings, but so then there's two younger siblings um, and a girl and a boy, and they're only 11 months apart. So it happened. Oh, wow. And so the youngest, the very youngest, they weren't, he was like a kind of like a surprise. They weren't expecting because they had to try so hard for Hope, my sister. Mm-hmm. And oh, I love her name. Yeah. <laughs> and, and she is, um, she's just the purest form of hope and love and just I she's an angel she's an angel on this earth and um so with that I've been through within my life I'm trying to make this succinct for people <laughs> listening so it's not like a whole family history but within I all keep sh- I keep a cheat sheet in my <laughs> in my wallet just to who keep is things who? straight <laughs> that's probably what my husband <laughs> keep, does keep the names straight and everything the family tree and the point is is that I've been through a lot of divorce and remarriage my mom's been married multiple times my dad now has been married three times so having new parents new siblings in and out of my life ever since I can remember has mm-hmm. uh, that's always been the norm and ha- like that's what's what a family is to me um so constantly like feeling like changing changing scenarios there was never like safety really Mm -hmm. um and never feeling like I had a home because my mom moved a lot she moved around from house to house um for different reasons and then um my dad moved several times so I don't really have like a childhood home I don't have any home that really felt like mine even now as we speak like Chase owns this condo I don't have a home I've never had like my this is my homestead Mm -hmm. um and 
it's just a lot of like change. And so I feel like all of that has really like built up resiliency in me. Um, and so it's kind of like a point of pride, but also that resiliency, I think in the past has served me and has also gotten to a point where it hasn't served me Mm -hmm. because I can just on a dime change. And, you know, speaking to our relationship and, and, uh, for Chase and I, like that has and has not served us. And, um, so I'm, I know that you're not leading me into this at all. I'm just like, I'm, <laughs> this is all coming to my brain. No, um, keep going. so I'm trying to give you like background on me as a kid and what I was in my brain and everything. And then also like leading into the situation now with my dad. Um, so my dad was recently remarried after a 25 year marriage or so. 25 or so, I can't remember the exact, um, to this woman that he married when I was two and they had a very dysfunctional, um, kind of the epitome of dysfunctional marriage. Mm -hmm. Um, I never felt like protected or chosen by my dad. Um, I, I would physically see him side with his wife over us when he knew that I was telling the truth, he would side and punish me for something that I'm telling you, dad, like, I didn't do that. I didn't do what she's telling you. I, I did. Mm. I didn't do that. Or I didn't say that, or that's not how it went. And I would consistently over and over and over and over see my dad choosing his wife who I didn't feel love from or anything like over me and over my siblings. Mm. So there was this like lack of trust, but then he would come back to us after she goes to bed and be like, I love you guys. Like try and like, I think in his mind, he was like, trying to pick up the pieces and like let his kids know that no I really do love you but we never were shown that Mm -hmm. but I won't stand up for you in front of her because he's trying to hold his marriage together and if he stands up to her then he's in the doghouse and then he's the one that has to live with her all the time I get to go to my mom's house every other week I get to like get a break from it Mm -hmm. so um there was this like anti-trust kind of built into me but I still sought it I still sought a relationship with my dad And, um, I've always had, I I won't say super, super close relationship with my dad, but it's always been in my mind. Um, I won't, I don't say healthy because I don't even know if I knew what healthy was at this point, but it never felt hostile. It never felt negative. I'll say that I could always go to my dad and talk to him if I needed to, even if, um, we didn't have that history. I know that I could. Mm -hmm. As an observer, there was always a very natural um, like friend, like connection between you two and, yeah. the, and the dialogue. Right. I never witnessed depth necessarily. Yeah, no. Um, I don't know if I ever saw you in a moment of real need, feel something from him, but you know, as an observer, the relationship was very like surface surface, yes. um, similar senses of humor. Yeah. We're both um, like sarcastic or, you so, know, so like yeah. at the surface it would be like, man, what a, what a nice, like friendly relationship that mm-hmm. they have. Um, so yeah. I think that's what kind of you're alluding to as far as like. Right. And, but still never feeling like my dad has ever gone above and beyond to like show up for me, like mm-hmm. visited me at college or when we lived in Seattle or even just like calling me, like it never felt like it always just felt like I was like forgotten over and over and over. And it just became the baseline, just became the norm. So I kind of got used to it and you kind of get numb to it. You're like, well, that's just how the relationship is. It's mm-hmm. like, I've, I've come to not expect more from that. Mm-hmm. And then this last year has completely taken a turn for, I would say, 
um, just, it's just different. It's very, uh, it's, it's completely cut off now at this point where I don't have contact with my dad. I haven't for since May, mm. I want to say April or May. And did he like announce his departure? He, um, yeah, he married another woman, um, after a very short time of knowing her and, most of his kids had never even met her. I I've still have never met her to this day. Um, he seems to be attracted to the type of woman that will show him where to be, when to be, what to think, what to do, how to live his life. Because that's what his 30 year, 30 year marriage was, was he mm-hmm. was not the man. He was, he was the surrendered one. He mm-hmm. was the, the dog with his tail between his legs kind of scenario. She ran the show. And this, new life is the exact same shows up in different ways but just as toxic in Mm -hmm. my opinion and just as unhealthy observing their relationship um and he chooses to just put himself in these in these situations and as an onlooker you almost like feel bad for him but Mm -hmm. he's choosing it you Mm -hmm. know and so there was this announcement, per se, <laughs> um, right before they got married um, in Hawaii. It was like an elopement type deal. Um, my sister received a phone call from both of them, uh, my dad and his his wife. Um, and <laughs> this woman, I'm just gonna say her name, <laughs> Cheryl. <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want to keep saying this wife, this woman, this what, whatever. Cheryl. Um, basically uh berated my sister this is just days before they get married mm-hmm. and uh screaming literally screaming at my sister and my sister's like keeping an even tone like what are, why are you yelling like i don't have people that yell at me in my life like what are you mm-hmm. talking about what are you just very very extreme yelling and without going too much into those details we all like we all knew about this interaction in this phone thing like what why why would cheryl do that to you she doesn't even know you <laughs> And, um, what was she yelling to her about? It was, I forget the exact details, but because Andrea was like sharing her feelings with my dad about, you know, their relationship and what they, what she was hoping for in their relationship, Cheryl would like grab the phone and be like, Andrea, you, you are way too emotional. Um, you need to buck up, like grow up, like cussing at her. And she's supposed to be this like Christian woman. And um, yeah, uh, as an observer, again, just <laughs> as an, as <laughs> observing these things, what it seemed like was um, from Cheryl, who was relatively new to this family of, of um, you know, beautiful women, was that this was one of what proceeded to be many events yes. where there was poking and prodding and triggering to the point that there was enough of a hostile conversation or argument to happen Mm -hmm. the foundation of which were completely weird like to explain what each one of them were would be now would be super lame but what it what it ended up being was like pretty she seems threatened very threatened yeah so so very hostile conversations and, and arguments amongst um megan's dad and uh his wife with all of his daughters Mm -hmm. to the point that it it escalated um, enough that there was at least in their mind justification for severing each one of those relationships. Yeah. Because we weren't following like the rules that they set up being like, you will respect us. 
every time you want to talk to me, Cheryl will be in the room. You will not talk to me alone without Cheryl kind of deal. It's very weird. It's very bizarre. So there were these rules that we had to abide by in order to have a relationship. And so he's giving each one of us down the line um, uh, an ultimatum of sorts being like, if you want a relationship with me, this is what it's going to be like. I don't want you to talk about your siblings to me. It was just very like, very bizarre. And I, so he was going down the line, giving us all these ultimatums. And of course we're all like, what? Like, no, we're not going to partake in this. This is really weird. And getting yelled at when like all of my siblings are very rational, kind of like level-headed people. And, um, and so back in May, this was the last time that I talked to my dad. He texted me, this was a text in the morning at like 6 a.m. and basically told me, um, you're cut off. We're not going to have any communication. At this point, I had never even talked to my dad about the whole situation with Cheryl with my voice. We hadn't had any conversations. He just texted me and said, um, no matter what I do, it's not enough for you. Um, I am blocking your number. Don't contact me. Mm-hmm. And then like a few weeks later or whatever, I get a call from my dad And I'm crying because of a a separate issue, but I pick up the phone, like kind of in this emotional state and, um, then proceed to get berated by both of them telling me that, you know, get it together. I'm like, you don't even know why I'm crying. And, um, I should have waited till Chase was home. I didn't, and this was my mistake. But, um, anyways, my dad is now approaching me saying, you must abide by our rules if you want a relationship with me. And I was in this like emotional state and I was like, I, I, I need to like call you back. And so then I kind of, I hung up the phone and, uh, then he called me 20 seconds later. I didn't answer. He left a message that was like, if you don't call me back right now, we're done. Wow. So that was the exchange basically to a T. I don't think I'm really leaving anything out, um, of my exchange with my dad and, um, what chance I had to like offer what I actually thought or anything. It just felt like very cut Mm -hmm. off with no explanation, no conversation, no healthy dialogue, certainly no healthy dialogue, but, and then, so I'm like a mess. Chase comes home and, um, and there's, there's unique instances with each one of your siblings, which very similar, like, yeah. Okay. Here's a kind of a blow up and then we're done. And yeah. I cut off and I think everybody's been cut off since May. Yeah. That includes the absence of um, him at his own daughter's wedding. Yeah. As well. My little sister got married and my dad was not there. Um, and yeah, none of us have talked to him. Be- I, I can't, I literally can't. I think my, my, um, my brother who's actually overseas deployed in the army right now is the only one that has communication with him and it's not good. It's not healthy communication. So, um, that's where we're at currently. Um, and I, I know that this is a unique scenario, unique situation. Um, but I'm hoping to use this kind of neglect abandonment scenario, kind of this, you know, me and my sisters are in this state of how could you do this to your child? Mm -hmm which I'm sure you have thought at some point in your life. Um, So even though the details might be different for someone who's listening, but maybe feels some level of abandonment or neglect or this question of how could could they do do this to your child kind of scenario, I was hoping that you could help me gain some ground on this. Um, It doesn't affect me 
day to day. Like I can get through my day and not think about my dad. Mm-hmm. Um, Chase is such a beautiful representation and example of the, the masculine energy that I need in my life. Mm-hmm. But I will say, you know, a couple of times we've been in ceremony in, um, you know, sound healing and it's come up for me mm-hmm. and not because I'm searching for it, but whatever comes up for me, I approach it and I, I go into it because mm-hmm. it's obviously coming up for a reason. And so I've noticed the last few times where that's been an opportunity, it has come up for me. So I know that there is something there that needs to be worked on, healed, consented, let go. I don't really know. And I don't know how <laughs> to navigate this, but, um, that's where I'm at. Yeah. <laughs> it's a lot. So I guess I don't really even have like a question for you. Yeah. I guess my question would be like, what's your initial take on the situation? Yeah. Um, Thank you for sharing that with me. <laughs> I know it was kind of a lot. No, it wasn't a lot. Um, I, I I resonate with that pain of being felt like you're not being chosen. Um, and I want to ask like you how that makes you feel like when you think about it. Um, or... F- don't even think about it. Like if you feel into the situation, what's yeah. the most dominant emotion? I feel sadness. Mm-hmm. Um, um, I feel sadness like w- one, because I never thought that I would be in the situation where I had an estranged parent just because throughout all the changes in my parental c- scenario, I never felt like I couldn't go to my, one of my parents. Mm-hmm. And so to have that where I, I could be dead for all my dad knows and he would have no idea and vice versa, Mm -hmm. that feels very weird. And so I feel like sadness in that, um, that feeling of being forgotten doesn't feel good. It feels like, well, what about me is, is wrong so that I'm so easily like discarded. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I don't think you're forgettable. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think he thinks that either. No way. Mm. Um, Remember how I said, like, try not to take it personal. Yeah. It's so easier said than done. Right. What is dad's story with his mom? I don't know exact details of what his childhood looked like with his mom. I do know what it looked like with his dad. A, a little bit picture of that, but now I can tell you with his mom, he, he is very, um, before he got married to Cheryl, he would call his mom every single day. Mm. Um, and not out of a, Oh, I need to check in on mom. It was more out of, it seemed like to me, loneliness, lack of connection and wanting some sort of connection to a parent. Um, and also dependence, Um, my dad, when he got divorced, there was a lot of debt and everything. And so he relied on his, at 60 years old, relied on his mother for Mm. rent, for car payment, for, so there was dependence there because of my dad not taking care of his own finances in life. He's now dependent. And so it was this weird masked relationship where it seems like we're connected and, and I'm reaching out to you because I love you mom so much. But to me, it looked like you're taking advantage of the fact that your mom has money mm-hmm. and you're, you know, so that was, that's does he say anything about his childhood? Like growing up? Well, we like, uh, as Chase mentioned, like 
our relationship has always been quite surface level. I've heard in stories in passing, um, you know, my grandma was very like quintessential, like forties and fifties lady where whatever my grandpa said goes Mm -hmm. and he's the man of the house, he's in charge and I respect him no matter what, even if I disagree with how he's parenting. I look, I, I am subject to him basically. Mm-hmm. And they, he wasn't like abusive or anything, mm-hmm. but he was distant. He, you know, my dad would leave a tool out in the yard and his dad wouldn't talk to him for two days type of thing. So mm-hmm. I don't know if there was some level of my grandma kind of swooping in and like trying to like comfort him on the low, like behind my grandpa's back. Mm-hmm. I don't know if there there was. She is a, an angel of a woman. And so I would guess that there was some of that because although she's like has this allegiance to her husband, she also sees her son hurting. So I could mm-hmm. see her com- kind of like coming in, swooping and being that. I don't know. I'm projecting. Mm-hmm. But that's, I don't know a ton about uh, uh, his childhood details. There has to be something there because as soon as you like, there's this pattern or theme in your dad's life where he kind of surrenders his power to the women in his life yeah. and the closest woman, which is the woman he's romantically involved with. And it's like almost for her approval or to not shake things up because you and I both know being in healthy relationships, like you're totally allowed to like bring things up and that per- you don't feel threatened that that person will leave you. Right. And that seems like he doesn't feel that level of safety and protection or like connected connectedness, if you will, in that relationship, whether it was the one that was 25 years or now this new one. But there's something within him, whether it's a belief system or some energy, if you will, of that he's attracting women that are like almost too much in their masculine but from a space of fear because like that I had mentioned like the woman feeling like she was like almost threatened by yeah whether it was your beauty or that like other women could swoop in and take Mm. this man over and she would have no power he is energetically attracting that Mm -hmm. so there's some belief or like adoption of that from maybe his parents or something traumatic to yeah. have happened to him. You're nailing him on the on the <laughs> head. Like he, that is exactly what we've seen out, seen played out my entire childhood and adult life is just giving his masculine power or whatever to maybe not even giving, just getting into relationships where it's not even allowed to be like had mm-hmm. is his own masculine energy. So it's like he almost doesn't know what it's like to show up for his daughter because he's never even been able to like show up for in his own masculine for himself. Yeah, and now that I'm thinking about it too, and you've probably read this in the book, Chase, but in Family Constellations, the practice says that sometimes like we repeat the patterns of our parents as a means or to be closer to them. Mm. So like in some way, maybe he's doing the same things maybe your grandmother did with her husband. Mm. And that is how he can stay connected to her because he didn't feel connected to her because he always had to go through dad. Mm, Yeah, maybe. Mm. Um, Because what we reject in our parents is really what we reject in ourselves. Mm. And it just mirrors back. And again, it's that one way, like 
if, if we feel like we can't connect to them in like a healthy, deep bonded way, like we will kind of absorb those qualities in our parents. And then they're most triggering to us because like, I'm sure what bugs your siblings about your dad is might be a little bit different from you because that's your perception. But the reason it is to trigger for you is because it's being bounced back in within you. That makes sense. I I totally, I I feel that. And, um, just in all transparency, as you're saying that I'm thinking like the thing that triggers me most or bothers me most about is like this, this feeling, like I've said of feeling forgotten or being discarded. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's a mirror of, you know, because I'm sensitive to that with in reflected in Chase and I's relationship. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, the way that I left our marriage and everything, I could see how he would think that of me. Like, Mm -hmm. how could she so easily just discard or forget or whatever when we have this whole history? You know, I'm thinking with my dad, like, I've been your daughter my whole (laughs) life. Like, how could you, you know, but like, maybe that's what's triggering in me because this, it's like bouncing, you know, between us, even though I don't feel that on a daily basis that, Mm -hmm. you know, that's what I think. But Maybe that's why it's coming up differently. And unlike for my sisters, you know, they, they all have different um, dealings and questions. Um, you know, for my little sister, I know for her, she's, she's, and this is a great question is, um, you know, her new husband is witnessing his new wife getting hurt over and over and over by this man that's mm-hmm. supposed to be her protector, you know, until he came in the, in the picture and she's feeling, my sister is feeling like, how do I listen to and respect the feelings and judgments of my husband who I know loves me and has my best interests in mind? How do I support him? How do I support his judgment? And I even have this question with Chase where it's like, I'm sure Chase has his own, like, I know you do, like thoughts around the whole issue and like maybe how I should proceed, but at the same time, navigating my own journey with my dad. How do I, how do we as the daughters, the sisters support our love, our our beloveds as they witness us just being hurt over and over. And I, (laughs) we kind of talked about this before, but like, that's such a sweet thing. Mm -hmm. Like as you're hurting, you're worried about holding space for your partner. That's so selfless. Um, I'm thinking about that. I'm like, I've never really considered that. (laughs) Yeah. This is the perfect time to take a quick pause and talk to you about one of my favorite skincare products. It's the Cell Renew Serum from Clear Stem Skincare. Okay, spoiler, it has reishi mushroom extract in it, you guys. So as you may know, I struggled with really bad acne for over two years when my hormones were like in the tank. I was on a constant journey to fix it and was literally trying anything and everything. Eventually I did figure it out and the breakouts mostly stopped, but then I was left with these dark purple scars, which are still not that cute. I started using the Cell Renew Serum a couple months ago and I've watched my acne scars like melt off my face. Uh, To use it, you wanna have a clean exfoliated exfoliated face for this i like to use the vitamin scrub which is the daily exfoliating cleanser from clear stem 
And so then you're going to apply the Cell Renew uh, two to three pumps all over your face and then just leave it for at least 15 to 20 minutes. Don't put anything else right over the top of it because it's rebalancing the pH on your face. If you put anything over it right away, then you've neutralized it and washed out the effects of the serum. I want you to get all the benefits, the full effect. Um, besides the reishi mushroom, some of the other ingredients that I absolutely love are the bioavailable collagen stem cells, frankincense oil, and aloe vera. ClearStem's primary mission is to give us quality, natural, non-hormone disrupting products that actually work. That's the key, is they're non-hormone disrupting. So this skincare line is anti-aging and anti-acne with zero hormone disruptors, you guys. Plus, it has mushrooms, which makes me even more obsessed with it. <laughs> if you are sick of your acne scars or hyperpigmentation like I was, then go to clearstemskincare.com and use the code MIMIFIT. That's M-I-M-I-F-I-T to get a nice hefty discount. That's Clear Stem Skincare and then discount code M-I-M-I-F-I-T. I know you and your skin will absolutely love this stuff. Cheers, boo. It is. It is. It's so unselfish. Um, it, it is challenging. Like I sense... Uh, aggression in myself and protective nature mm -hmm. just observing you know Megan's dad and I have since I was 15 years old mm -hmm. I've sensed this like frustration with what are, dude you are missing an absolute gem right yeah. like this person is such a light and it's so frustrating it's looked everything from let's not talk about it, babe. Let's just not talk about it mm -hmm. all the way to like, let's scream about it um, to my own, like wanting to dial this guy up, even though, <laughs> you know, even though he's blocked my number. Um, it's, it is really challenging and, and beautiful that, that you and your sisters are actually concerned with significant mm -hmm. others' well-being. Um, my, my response has always just been, I love you. I care about you. And you can be whatever you need to be in this space. And I'm, I'm so comfortable holding mm -hmm. the space for that and being uh, a pillar of safety and know that you're safe with me, know that you're completely free to be whatever you need to express and show. Um, I hope that's enough and, and hope that I can show that like energetically to you as well. And I, we, I know we've talked about this, but um, for wherever there is lack from that presence, of your dad. I'll never be like a paternal figure, mm -hmm. but I can say that like, I will show up to the plate, like literally every single time you need safety and stability and something strong. I love you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're the best. You get to decide how you want that to play. As long as it's obviously not harming or deeply affecting him if you feel like it brings up like too much where you don't want to talk about it sometimes, like it, I think that's for you to decide yeah. because you're the only, like <clears throat> and my husband says this all the time. He's like, I, I really don't know how you feel. And for me to guess or like try to assume is doesn't neither of us any yeah. good. You're going to get frustrated because I really don't understand and I can act like I do. Yeah. So I think that like that can almost create like more 
drama, if you will, or more resistance to the situation and add more fuel to the fire. Yeah. It, so you get to decide the boundaries on that. Mm-hmm. I think something that feels, you know, as it's coming up or as I would, you know, talk to my sister, like, I think communication on knowing what you feel as you're mm-hmm. talking about and being able to relay that and communicate it in a healthy way to your partner and know what you need from them. I think Bobby or you would rather show up for me mm-hmm. than be angry at my dad or whatever mm-hmm. it is. Yeah. Like you would rather be my hero in what specifically I need from you rather than me try to hold space for your anger for my dad. Yeah, like kind of like what we were talking about earlier. How do you take these little things that we've walked into this uh, contract, you know, with our parents or with this life experience that we're having? How do we walk into these challenges, realize the potential for the polarity in them and repurpose this energy that can be lost as we give it away to the negativity of the situation? How do we repurpose that energy into something that can be invested and actually return um, to something greater? So we, we talk about that all the time. It's like, do we spend the entire evening wasting our energy to something negative and and complaining or do we repurpose it into something Mm -hmm. about what is the mirror here what's the reflection of this scenario into our relationship how do we create something out of this that is the polar opposite Mm -hmm. yeah and that's why i'm that's why i was so intrigued by your work you know and what you do and how you help people is because like i want to get there i want to get to the point where I've completely consented. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, it, like I said, it doesn't affect my day to day. Like I can get through my day just fine, but to completely feel light and free of it, I am definitely not there. I think a huge thing that I've done and I would suggest is really connecting to your inner child in that way. Like think of like an age, like, I don't know, seven, eight, um, and get like a picture of you and ask like, usually in those moments that you feel the most triggered, like if it has nothing to do with dad, say it's just in daily life with a client or whatever, it is your inner child, like kind of almost like, Hey, like that is reminding me of something that happened when we were six or seven and it wasn't healed or maybe like processed in the most healthy way but now you're an adult and you have tools in your toolbox to do that because in some way you are still that seven-year-old eight-year-old girl that felt like the only way to gain my dad's attention was be to to be super tough Mm -hmm. so connecting to that younger self like asking her what does she need today yeah like if she was sitting right here like what would you tell her like would and like holding her hand even like okay, you know what, like, today, like, I'm gonna go walk on the beach, and um, I'm gonna go take myself, like, on a mini coffee date, or whatever, and get hot cocoa, the healthy hot cocoa, (laughs) with (laughs) mushrooms in it, Um, and do all these things that, like, little me needed, Mm. and as you start to heal little you, it turns into this adult that's at peace, because Mm. all those little wounds kind of stem from childhood. Yeah. Definitely. 
I I don't need to go into them now, but I have specific <laughs> moments, even like with my dad in moments when I'm like third grade or whatever, where I feel like I've gone back to that moment and been able to like observe how he hurt me mm-hmm. and been there like in meditation, looking down on the situation and like holding her hand, you know, mm-hmm. and being like, it's fine. It's fine. He's, he thinks he's helping you right now, but I'm going to help you later mm-hmm. kind of scenario. Yes, that's that's like a form of hypnosis and I've done that and it works. Okay. So maybe I need, <laughs> I need to do that a little bit it more. It works. Cause like, I mean, your third eye, your home of your intuition is like, you can access so much there. Like, and you even, and you probably have had this happen in like energy healing experiences. Like you said, like in ceremony or sound healing where like random memories get popped up or you're like, does that have to do with anything like explore that like what was the root feeling what was going on what was your energy Mm -hmm. like in those situations because that's like some way your inner child trying to gain your attention and now you again you have those tools right now Mm -hmm. and we had said this before we pressed record was that you can decide to be a victim in all of it and when you were a child like you really didn't have the opportunities and the ability to be like I'm not going to deal with this, like get your stuff together. But now you're a grown woman and this is especially for anyone who's listening. And it's like, you can choose to stay in the spot of like, Oh, it's because my parents sucked, but you're giving your power away. And chances are when you do that, you probably feel pretty powerless in other ways and your body and your life and your career. And it's, if you've not done this work, it probably shows up a lot in your relationships. Yeah. That was another Another thing I kind of wanted to explore is <clears throat> this thought of like, say someone, you know, um, isn't dealing with it there. They have some level of like abandonment or, or um, neglect from a parent and they, they know they feel it, but they're kind of suppressing it, pushing mm-hmm. it down and not dealing with it, not healing it, not going into these places. How does that, how can that manifest for people maybe in their life as an adult and then also like, um, you know, with their, with their kids? Like, mm-hmm. I'm, I, I mean, it doesn't stop, like you said, like it's just going to keep wanting to heal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so particularly with the masculine, the masculine is the bridge into the physical world. So it's the way in which we view the like real world, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. Because it's like all about like structure and routine and kind of like the day-to-day things. Because like think of like the ideal dad that we see on TV. Like they're teaching us how to change a tire and like those very practical things. Whereas mom is more of like she makes you feel like nurtured and loved and creative expression and just like very soft. So the masculine when not... In, not in proper balance because of maybe a not healthy relationship or disconnection from the father is probably going to feel like a lot of anxiety mm-hmm. and this lack of like not feeling grounded and uh, it probably if uh, shows up in a lot of like your romantic relationships I see this time and time again where people are like oh, I keep like attracting or I keep getting these men that are just like like they don't love me or there, there's always something that like it falls apart. And I'm the first question I ask is like, was your dad an emotionally unavailable man? Because there was a statistic that I had shared um, on the talk I did with Organifi with Chase that fatherlessness, meaning like 
the father was still in the household, but like emotionally unavailable, um, would be an epidemic mm. because it's so like rampant in this yeah. country. And it began like the idea of masculinity, like and men feeling into that like healthy blend of femininity. Like your father would be an extreme example where he's giving that power away. Um, and being too feminine and too passive in his marriages. But then there's also that other end where like men are so aggressive and chauvinistic and, but men have never really until now been given that opportunity to like healthily express that. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure Mm -hmm. you know, like it's hard to like men on a spiritual journey is very like, I think a smaller percentage than women. So going back to your original question, though, it's like you see this a lot with like it also can show up with like that trust in your body. Like when we were talking about diets at the beginning of this, like if you were not taught trust in your life, then you're going to try to find that trust and like grasp at it in other areas. So you could be that really bossy or uh, the kid that's super tough because you are trying to channel that energy on your own. You could be emotionally disconnected because in some way like it wasn't safe to express your emotions and Mm. dad taught you that Mm -hmm. and you kind of glaze over things a big one that i see is like in any wound really if you don't tend to it you're gonna find ways to shove it down and that's usually when your shadow side comes out whether it's compulsive eating or drinking excessively or having uh sexual relationships with people like addictions and things Mm -hmm. like that to bury it and bury it and bury it and bury it But on the flip side of that, if you don't tend to it and you don't allow yourself to feel that pain and that hurt, you miss out on feeling the full experience of joy and Mm. light. So, yeah, you might kind of skate through life and kind of dodge bullets of this pain and find yourself in relationships where men don't want to commit or you feel good in your body. But you also get to miss out on feeling like those really high Mm. expressions of life and how I had said, like living your dream where you're like, pinch me, this is real. Yeah. Almost like antidepressants where it's like, yeah, it could take away the depression, but it also takes away the ecstasy. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I can totally see that. And for the mom, like when there's a disconnection there, you are disconnected from life because mom gave you life Mm. you were in her womb and we don't question this but like think of what mom might have been going through when she was pregnant because you literally took that in and what was grandma going through especially as a woman because you were in mom's womb at that point as well Mm. so it even goes back there and when you have that disconnection like the essence of femininity is to receive and masculinity is to give. And so, so many women have like that trouble with receiving, like whether Mm -hmm. it's pleasure from food or from sex or love, like, or even a compliment. So like shutting that away because in some way it doesn't feel safe because maybe mom reflected that. Mm -hmm. Mm. Ideally mom and dad are giving and the children receiving. So like, I think you might have a question on like, how do you approach this? Like, do you reach out to your dad? And I think energetically you need to come from this space of like creating peace around the situation. And it might not be an overnight journey. 
And I think you probably know that. (laughs) Um, But doing the work of like healing what maybe you resent or don't like in your dad or the ways in which maybe like you pushed him away. Sometimes we do Mm. that. And like forgiving yourself for that as well and giving consent that like he's not doing this for to you to like because he thinks you're like not worth having in his life he literally it seems like he doesn't know how to be like a grown strong man because he wasn't given the best like nothing against your grandparents but like again they didn't have these tools in the 40s and 50s or even when they were growing up so he doesn't know how so he's essentially like this little seven-year-old boy trying to operate and when you come from that space you're like oh wow like it's a little bit more compassionate and it loosens the grip around this like limited belief of my dad doesn't like me yeah my dad doesn't think that I'm worthy yeah thinking about him as little seven-year-old self like totally like shifted something in my body just right in that moment when you said it my face matched it like thinking of you know his scared little self like trying to navigate his parents and everything and then and that's never addressed Mm -hmm. and then that's what he operates from (laughs) taking that into relationship and that's how he operates as a seven-year-old looking to other people to like guide him and like tell me how to Mm -hmm. do everything yeah he doesn't know how literally and I think when we don't do that work we're always operating from that standpoint because zero to seven we're like sponges just taking in everything and then when we are adults we realize like ooh, do I actually want to like operate that way and that's where the healing journey becomes this fork in the road like you go down it or you don't Mm -hmm. and when you don't you're going to continue operating at that like lower operating system. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, de- it's definitely something that I, I want to heal and I want to go down. If we're talking left or right <laughs> in the fork, I definitely want to go down the healing um, path. I'm, I know that it's coming up for me at this point in my life and happening for me at this mm-hmm. point in my life. I'm so grateful that it's happening at this point when Chase is here and such a beautiful support system and everything that I could need and want in a partner. Um, I, I'm so, so in that way, it's like, it makes me almost great, like sending gratitude towards the situation that Mm -hmm. even if it's happening now versus two years ago. Mm -hmm. Um, so I, I am grateful for that. And I, this is definitely something that I am going to keep exploring and healing. I haven't yet. I haven't yet. There's an exercise in there and I'm going to circle it and you need to do that one. Okay. I, yeah, maybe we can, is it easy to share right now? Yeah. So basically like you go into meditation and you need to like imagine your parent. Maybe you start with one that like, you're like, it's clear I have a disconnection to mom or dad in this case. Imagine your parents standing there and just like ask your intuition. You may not know the full extent of the trauma they've experienced and all their life experiences in general, but ask all of those to start to like as little energetic bubbles or whatever to start surrounding your father and like then start to look at them through that lens of like, wow, like they really they're not doing this to me. It's like, again, pulling away and like not taking it so personal. Um, And allowing yourself like 
I consent to this relationship and I will continue to honor and live my life mm. not in vain and um, I accept what was given and what was not given to you mm. on your part and like whatever else needs to be said but with that realization like mom and dad are just humans too yeah we're just really lucky that we grow up in this especially in San Diego like time and space where like I'm sure if we lived in other parts of the world this probably wouldn't be a conversation we were having yeah, right so true yeah, yeah. we were in like Kansas or something <laughs> yeah <laughs> maybe I don't. <laughs> yeah I appreciate that and um it is it is good to know that there's there's light at the end of the tunnel for anyone listening who's going through something similar um you can do the healing but it starts that book is funny because it it didn't start with you but the healing does start with you Mm -hmm. you you mentioned like you know a parent doesn't even need to be alive to Mm -hmm. heal the relationship like it doesn't require on my end me even speaking to my dad um to to heal because he doesn't feel what's going on in me only I feel that it's Mm -hmm. my experience and so that's what I've been kind of searching for and and um I've just been like searching for more for like the tools. Like what are the right tools? It's almost like I know how I want to feel and I know that it's important for me to finally get there. Mm-hmm. But what are the tools that I can, you know, uh, the meditation that you just mentioned was gr- is great and I'm definitely going to be doing that. Is there any other like maybe daily tools or yeah. maybe even something small that when someone feels a certain type of way or like energy uh, uh, vibration in their body of anxiety or pain or sadness or whatever the negative feeling is what what are what is something that they can do to shift it in the moment well i think i think we mentioned keto earlier right (laughs) (laughs) that's the solution get rid of bread yeah (laughs) um i think one thing that's really really a huge thing that i do with clients and for myself is like particular for like masculine energy is having structure Mm. and routine in your day and then for feminine ritual so like for me like I didn't really have like a bedtime growing up like my parents just trusted me that but she'll figure it out because I was just so they just took the responsibility that I took on as a kid and they took it for granted which I mean I don't know again (laughs) um so now as an adult it's really really important that every night before I go to bed I don't wait until I'm tired but I do my face stuff and I floss my teeth and I brush them and I get in bed at a decent hour and I tuck myself in and I do my thing because that makes me feel really really safe and secure like so doing those types of things that like maybe you lacked as a child or wish you had more of and creating structure like maybe it's around your work day or more routines that serve that now for femininity it'd be like more ritual so like routines are like where you kind of take the guesswork out of things like you just they're there and they kind of keep your things yeah, going it's in like place. muscle memory yeah and then ritual is where like you want to add that like level of mindfulness and sense of nourishment so like sipping on your cacao in the morning with lighting a candle and listening to some peaceful music maybe journaling or meditation and Another thing too, like as far as like healing your inner child, always asking him or her, 
what she needs in that moment when you feel that like sense of trigger like when I was younger like it was like oh had a bad day I'm gonna go to happy hour Mm -hmm. and then it turned into had a bad day like just go get ice cream and then now like I can feel it's almost like program like oh, something's uncomfortable, go stuff it down with something. But now I sit with it. And if I have to cry, I let myself cry. Maybe I punch a pillow because I'm just pissed off or frustrated. So that healthy expression of emotion, like screaming into a pillow, like is so therapeutic. (laughs) (laughs) Or even allowed uh, breath work. I think that is like a very good segue into feeling your feelings because it, Breathwork literally is like picking up everything that's beneath the surface and bringing it out. Mm. And it can be overwhelming physically, energetically, emotionally, but it's a way to detox the body. Mm. Mm. I love that. I, I, I feel like I've had a lot of different like little signs and signals of breath work coming into my... Have you done it? Oh, I've done like little sessions, okay. but not like consistently like, you know, working through something or have any sort of mm-hmm. like routine or ritual with it. No, I've just had like handfuls of like experiences mm-hmm. and it's been really powerful. You almost get this like high. Yeah, you do. <laughs> <laughs> and But it, I I did it in a, a large group of women one time and I you could feel, you could feel the energy that was mm-hmm. being released and it was powerful for sure yeah so may, that might be a cue for me something that i i should look into to help facilitate the detoxification and the release of you know buried um, emotions and stagnant feelings that are not serving me yeah and how i did when i was first on this journey like i said be very like curious of what's out there like it could be breath work, but it could be also that you like hypnosis. Like that's mm. something that I've dove into recently. And I'm like, this is great. It could be traditional therapy. Like just be really like try things that are a little bit more alternative, which I think your audience is probably really keen on. Mm-hmm. Um, because like we don't know what's out there. And I think that going like tying this back into what we had said in the beginning about like diet culture and like how big that industry is like, it's almost like we are trying to be our power is trying to be hidden or suppressed. Mm -hmm. So it might not be in mainstream and something your Western medicine doctor is telling you to do, but you can go out and search for these answers. And now like we live in a virtual world, like they don't have to be in your area. You can Google it and find it and do it on zoom. You are one significant permission slips for permission (laughs) slip for everyone listening. Like, just because your doctor didn't tell you that you should oh, or no. can do this, like explore yourself yeah. and mm-hmm. search for these things and listen to your intuition or, or start cultivating that. Um, I think that that's, that's huge is in all of this, I keep thinking about just intuition and, and going back and like asking yourself and a- like you being the, the one that's being healed, but also the healer. Mm-hmm. You are your greatest healer. Like yeah. even if you have like a coach or a therapist, like you're still the one doing the work. They're just like bringing that all to you. And that's what ultimately a great healer does is like you, that you don't want to be dependent. I don't want people to be dependent on the things I do and help them with because 
that's not healthy. <laughs> like you have everything you need inside of you. And we hear that so many times, I know, yes. <laughs> but it's so true. Like think of all the things that you've gotten yourself through Yeah. and like, sure. You probably had help from family or supplementation and things like that. But like, it was you that took that action. Mm-hmm. Amen. Sure. <laughs> so good. I feel like you've given us so much for me for, for sure to, <laughs> chew on and to um to work through and i'm so grateful to to you and just you being open and and just flowing with all this goodness and that you are like you've been in it and you've done the work and you've done it for yourself and i can just see like on your face you're just this like light beacon of like (laughs) i I believe that you can do it because i did it and you know you're saying if i can do it anyone can do it and seriously yeah i love that and I want to be really mindful of your time, even though it feels like we just started. Yeah, I know. I'm like, I don't want it to end. I know. It's so good. We can, I, uh, we said this before we push record, but like, we would love to have you back because this, you guys, be back. you guys listening, this is just a piece of, you know, you were saying like one little sliver of, of everything that you do and that you offer. And I think that that's so wonderful. And I've just enjoyed this conversation so much. So I would love to have you back. Oh, I would love to. But, um, <laughs> before we, before we sign off, um, you know, the, the medicine podcast is all about disease for prevention for body, mind, and relationships. Mm-hmm. And I'm curious, or we're curious for you, what currently feels like medicine, maybe not traditional mm-hmm. medicine, but for you, what feels like medicine for your body first right now? Cacao. Mm. I'm like oh, yeah. addicted to cacao. I got yes. in all harmony. forms. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like just like really warm drinks right now. Mm. And for some reason, my body's like been rejecting coffee. So Mm. I'm just like tea, cacao, everything that's warm and fuzzy. Love it. What about for your mind? What feels like medicine for your mind? Mm. Meditation. Mm. But I think that's also soul too. But like really sticking to my meditation practice. Neil leads meditation uh, at Organifi (laughs) and my schedule is gnarly, but I occasionally get to jump in and it is beautiful. Oh, thank you. I love that. If you join the insiders group, you get to join for free. <gasps> yeah. I'll learn. I'm going to do that for sure. Um, and what feels like medicine for your relationship or relationships, however you want to view that? Mm, letting my husband be in his masculine and me being in my feminine. So just like allowing myself to receive and knowing mm. that mm. I'm so deserving of that. Mm. Mm. It's good. So good. I think every woman out there needs to hear that and needs to take oh, that did in. Not take me. That took me a long time yeah. to think of that. I mean, even <laughs> myself, like I, I, I feel, I feel that. Like I've, I've shared a little bit with you, but yeah, I mean, I, I have this, this underlying feeling that like, am I really worthy of all of the love that Chase has to give? And that's something that I'm working on. Is like, I am worthy and feeling it and um, letting him feel that I'm worthy of it. Mm-hmm. And, and for the masculine, so often it's, am I doing enough? Am I oh. giving enough? Am I providing enough? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. You are. <laughs> <laughs> if you're asking, Thanks. you are. Thanks. Yes. Thank you. Oh, I love that. Oh my gosh. I don't want it to end either. <laughs> Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. And I'm just, you are just such a light and I could talk to you all day. Where can uh, our wonderful listeners uh, find more about you, reach out to you um, if they'd like to uh, and know all the other great things that you're doing in this world. Yeah. I'm on Instagram a lot. So my handle is eclectic.wellness. E-C-L-E-C 
tic.wellness <laughs> we'll link it also yeah. in the show notes it, people are always like electric no it's eclectic eclectic.wellness <laughs> mm-hmm. and then do you have a do you have anything that you're that you're excited about right now maybe like a program or course yeah. or launch or anything like that that you want to share really, i'm working on something right now so i have a program called the balanced body method and in january my newest round is including Reiki one certification so it is a whole program that goes through how to balance your nutrition and heal your body with pretty much all the things that we've talked about and then getting the Reiki one certification, which is doing Reiki for yourself. So Mm. at the end you're your own healer and you know how to like go and navigate through life. Wow. Wow. I think I need that. That's awesome. Yeah, that sounds great. I'm going to look into that. I love that. Thank you so much for for sharing that. You guys will definitely, we'll get all the links from you and everything. Um, Anything that you want to share, go check the show notes below wherever you're listening. And please um, help us to spread this just good, good knowledge. This is the stuff that people need to hear. We don't need to see any more pharmaceutical commercials. This (laughs) needs to be blasted onto every TV and every radio in America because if we were all just healed inner children Mm -hmm. and then using that to grow up as functional healthy adults how how much more healthy would our relationship to self to god to the earth to others be so help us by spreading this uh, in spreading this ripple by sending to someone you love maybe someone you know who has issues with family or generational trauma Um, really anyone at this point we're learning that it can be anyone and everyone so we appreciate your help in that go spread some light and we'll talk to you next time okay bye if you liked this episode make sure you hit that subscribe button in apple podcasts spotify or wherever you prefer to listen this will ensure that every episode drops into your library automatically and if you have a recommendation for a podcast guest or topic you can always email the medicine podcast at gmail.com remember there's no e at the end of medicine and let us know your big idea we would love to hear from you Until next time, cheers, boo.